Well, good morning, Chapel Hill. <laughs> I knew that was going to sound weird, just because you all have masks on, right? It was kind of wah, 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 wah. Anybody ever uh, watch the Peanuts cartoons? I feel like all of us talk like that now. You know, all of us have a, a weird uh, way that we talk because of these masks. I can't hear what half people say. So what I'm going to need you to do, those of you who are in person today, if you say amen, you've got to say it just a little bit louder, okay? Um, if, you, uh, if you're with me, show me that you're with me. And those of you who are with us online, we're so grateful that you're here with us as well. Uh, you can show that you're with us by that chat. None of us will really get to see that, but those of you who are online get to participate in that. And I have to say, I'm so grateful to have people back in this room again. Are you excited? Okay. Honestly, it doesn't matter if it was five people, if it was 500 people, we were just looking forward to it because it was getting really weird to lead worship to an empty room and to a camera. So thank you for coming out today. Thank you for bearing with all the regulations. Today, I'm excited that we're all together because we're going to continue our journey through the book of... Exodus. We're in the book of Exodus, chapter 6 today. If you have your Bibles with you or if you want to pull it up on your phone, that's where we're going to be spending most of our time together today. Exodus chapter 6. And what we're going to find in this passage is that God has a really in-depth heart-to-heart conversation with Moses. He has a a real one-to-one with Moses, and he helps him to reframe his perspective. This conversation actually begins at the end of chapter 5, so you'll want to camp out there first. And uh, honestly, this conversation starts off with a great level of intensity, because Moses is honest with God. He tells him his frustrations and his concerns, and he does not hold back, because God had promised that things were about to get a lot better, But unfortunately, Moses and the Israelites were starting to notice that things were getting a lot worse. And so he was struggling with it. And this is what he says to God at the end of chapter 5 in Exodus. He says, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. He's really honest right out the gate. And if we put ourselves in Moses' shoes, I don't think we can blame the guy that much. He was obviously facing some difficult things. But as we look a little bit closer at God's reply, I think we'll notice that Moses made one critical mistake. And his one critical mistake was that he was far more focused on his problems and his pain than on God's promises and plans. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how God helped Moses reframe his perspective. And I can tell you that I've had many times in my life where I've needed a different perspective on my circumstances. I'm sure you can think of times in in your life as well. Times when I needed things reframed. And I can remember one particular time when uh, Amy and I were just about to get married. We were really, really happy in our relationship. We were excited to start our life together. But I couldn't get over the fact that my job situation just was not a good place for me. I was really struggling in my work, really struggling in my job, and it was becoming increasingly clear that this job just wasn't the right fit, that that place that I was in was just not the right place for me. And there was one day in particular that I came to terms with this, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was so discouraged, and I called Amy, and I was really emotional. I was crying. I don't think I'd ever done that before. I don't think I've ever done that since, where I called her crying, but I just unloaded on her about all my concerns for the future all my frustrations about my job. And as I wrestled through that, as we talked through that, 
we both realized in that moment that we had our first premarital counseling session just a couple minutes away from then. (laughs) And I'm so glad we remembered that because that conversation changed the trajectory of our lives in many ways. It was in that conversation that I was able to tell this pastor what I was experiencing. And as I told him what I was experiencing, he gave me a completely different outlook on things. He helped me to see things in a more positive light. And it was in that conversation that I decided that I was going to pursue my seminary education and also that I would pursue this job here at Chapel Hill. So I'm really grateful that that conversation happened. And without it, I wouldn't have, yeah, thank you. I wouldn't have, um, I'm happy to be here. I would not have, uh, without that conversation, I wouldn't have been able to see things differently. I needed to reframe my perspective. I was so caught up in the, thing, the ways that things that they were that I couldn't get past that to think about the way that things could be. And I think we all need this from time to time. We need to reframe our perspective. This was true of Moses, and we're going to find that it's true of us as well. And so this is the big idea of what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to put it up on the screen just so that we can lock it in our brains. This is what we learn in Exodus chapter 6. It's that God calls us to reframe our perspective by focusing on God's promises and plans. Can we say that aloud together? Here we go. One, two, three. God calls us to reframe our perspective by focusing on God's promises and plans. That's what we're going to explore today, and I would like to ask God for his guidance to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you reframe our perspective. Even so far in this worship service, I feel like my point of view, my point of reference has changed as we focus on your grace, as we focus on your goodness. And so we pray, would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you continue that work of reframing in our hearts? Would you help us as we explore your word to focus upon your plans and your promises? We pray this in the name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's people said, Amen. All right. So we're going to explore this passage by looking at two ways that God calls us to reframe our perspective, okay? The first one is this. God calls us to focus on his promises more than our problems. To focus on our pro- his promises more than our problems. And this is what God said to Moses beginning in verse 2. He starts off with these words, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, what's that stand for, by the way? Remember? Yahweh. So whenever you see that on all caps, we learned that a few weeks ago, that stands for God's name, Yahweh. They didn't really know him in that way. I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. It's a very important word. What we're told here is that God had formed a special relationship with the Israelites, a special relationship back with their ancestors, and that this special relationship that God had formed with them is what the Bible calls a covenant. And that may be a new word for many of us, and so let me just give you a definition, a very baseline understanding of what a covenant is. A covenant is a relational commitment between two parties. There are all sorts of forms of these in in the scriptures. But at a very baseline level, it's just a relational commitment between two parties. And while they take on a variety of different shapes, these covenants usually have one thing in common. 
And that's that they're based upon covenant vows or promises that one party makes to another. And that's exactly what God is referring to here as he talks about his covenant. As he's talking with Moses, he's saying that his actions in the present are based on covenant promises that he had made in the past. Because back in Genesis, God had made certain promises to Abraham, promises to give him a special relationship to himself, promises to give him descendants, and promises to give them a land in which those descendants can live. That's the three aspects of the Abrahamic covenant, relationship, land, and descendants. He made all these promises to Abraham uh, back in Genesis 12 and 15, if you want to look there at some point. But God had made these promises, and he was super committed to keeping them. He was fully devoted to giving Abraham all that he had promised to his family. And this is what the Israelites needed to focus on at this point in their lives. They needed to focus on God's promises more than their problems. In the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, God reminded Moses that he would make good on his promises to Israel, that he would keep his word to the very end. Friends, we need this same reframe. We need to focus on God's promises more than our problems, more than ever right now. Oh my gosh, do we have enough problems? We've got a lot of problems going on in our lives and in this messed up world in which we live. This is the time when Christians focus on God's promises because just as God, this is huge. This is a huge biblical thing. Just as God promised Abraham a future, a home, an everlasting relationship to himself, you know who else he promised that to? You. He promises that to you in Jesus Christ. Jesus has offered us a covenant relationship with God, a covenant that he purchased with his own blood at the cross. Because of Jesus, we have God's promise to never leave us nor forsake us, to love us through thick and thin, no matter what. You have God's promises. And we all need to remember that. I I can recall, again, times when I needed to remember that in my life. Uh, If we were to fast forward from that last story that I told you about the premarital counseling, Amy and I got married, obviously. Um, (laughs) We got married, and uh, we were, again, just enjoying our relationship together. But that whole issue with our job, it it was just a difficult thing for me. And so we made a very challenging decision at the advice of our premarital counselor right when we got married, and that was that I would resign. I would resign from, from this work environment. Um, we had got, just gotten married. Here's a picture of us, by the way, in this very happy time. Uh, we were <laughs> enjoying the first uh, stages of our, our lives together, but it is no fun, I'm not going to lie, it is no fun to start off a marriage without either spouse working a steady job and making a steady income. It's not a good deal. It's not a good deal. And so we had to wrestle with that. But Amy was in the middle of her master's degree. I had just started mine. And I was facing some of the worst clinical anxiety I've ever experienced in my life. My whole psyche, my whole body was just messed up. And I needed to heal. It was unfortunately during that dark time that my faith also hit rock bottom, if I'm being honest. Some of you have been there before. My faith hit rock bottom. I was questioning God. I was struggling with what I believed. But here's what was so bizarre about that. I was struggling in my life. I was struggling in my faith. And yet, there was this draw. There was this pull still to, to, to be with God. I felt pulled to be with him. It was almost like, it was late at night. I remember standing out on our porch and just feeling this desire to pray. And I'd go out and I'd have these heart-to-heart conversations with God. 
And it was in those conversations that I would get this sense that God still loved me, that God was still with me. It was this mysterious sense that he would never let me go. That in the midst of my problems, he was reminding me of his promise that he'd always be with me. And in those moments, that reminder was just what I needed to not give up. It was just the reframe that I needed. Friends, we all need help, God's help, to reframe our perspective in light of God's promises. That's our first reframe, okay? Here's the second one and the last one. Got to keep it short. The second reframe is that we ought to focus on God's plans more than our pain. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Focus on God's plans more than our pain. This is easier, than, easier said than done. And this is what God said to Moses, starting in verse 6. He says again, this common refrain, I am the Lord. Everything that he's about to say is built on his character. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I'll take you to be my people, and I'll be your God, who's brought you out of the land. He says, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I'll give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Now, as Moses heard this, and then he's going to later report it back to the Israelites, you can only imagine that it would sound incredibly far-fetched. It's impossible, really. They knew that it was going to take nothing short of a miracle That God was going to have to show up. I mean, God's telling them, you're going to be free. And all they can think about is the fact that they're slaves. God's telling them, you're going to have a special relationship with me. And all they can think about is the fact that they can't even leave their space in order to give one sacrifice to Yahweh. And then God's saying, you know what? I'm going to give you tons of beautiful land to live in. It's going to be amazing. Even though they don't even own the property that their house sits on. How is this possible, God? For the Israelites to get out of this predicament, God was going to have to show up in a powerful way to change things around. And you know what? That's perfect because that's exactly what he's about to do. He's about to show up in massive power that they they can't even fathom what he's about to do. God was about to show who the real boss of the universe was. Amen? He was going to show the Egyptians, the the Israelites, the other surrounding nations that there's never a moment in history, never a place on planet Earth where God is not Lord. Just as Abraham Kuyper said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ does not cry, mine. Amen. Hallelujah. This world, our existence, our future, it's all in God's most capable hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. This is just as true of us as it was of the Israelites, friends. Our future is as good as done. God has an incredible plan for this universe and for all who call on him as Lord. God has something in store for when Christ returns that the human mind can only imagine. And I want to just give you a little insight into it. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Good Lord. Give me mercy. I'm ready to preach this, guys. I don't care how many people are here. This is God's word. Let me tell you about this plan. When Christ returns, there will be no crime because sin will be done away with. There will be no racism, 
because every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship Jesus in harmonious unity. There will be no political division because there's going to be one perfect king on the throne. There's going to be no coronavirus, no cancer, no flu, no depression, no dementia, no, any, no health defect at all. Because the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. There's a day coming and it's right on the horizon when the God of this universe, Yahweh, the great I am, will put an end to all that is wrong and will make everything right again. Because Jesus is coming again. Thank you, God. And we say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Lord, would you come? Would you set things right again? We need you. This is the day that we all long for. God says he's going to save all those who place their faith in Christ and who for long for his appearing. Have you ever read that text in the New Testament? That's who he's coming back for, friends people who long for his appearing. Not people who are just, you know, well, well, let's just get by in life. No, it's, it's a longing. It's a desire. It's God come. God has a future planned that we can only dream of. And now the question for us right here, right now, is the same one that was for the Israelites. Will we believe it? And will it change the way that we live? Unfortunately, when the Israelites were given the opportunity to trust God's promises and God's plans, guess what decision they made? The wrong one. That's the whole Old Testament. They're making one wrong decision after another. Because they didn't listen to God when he gave them the opportunity to reframe their perspective. This is what it says in verse 9, the final verse of our text. It says that Moses spoke thus. He told them. He spoke thus to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses. Why? Because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. In other words, they were too focused on what was going on within them and what was going on around them that they couldn't see the God who was reigning over them. So how do we not make the same mistake? How do we avoid making the same mistake and focus on God's promises and plans more than our problems and pain. Well, I'd like to say that we do what the text tells us to say, which is to follow Moses' example in having regular heart-to-heart conversations with God, where he reframes our perspective. This does not happen overnight. We can rally ourselves up in church and get excited, which is great, but it takes a practice. It takes time. And God is patient. Oh my goodness, he's patient. And I think it happens, friends, we reframe our perspective when we have regular heart-to-heart conversations with God in the context of prayer. So as we close, I just want to give you a couple practical ways that we can do that, okay? Some of you guys have lived this, these two things out far more than I have, uh, but just use this as a reminder regardless. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing some of these things. Two reminders, two recommendations. The first is this, be honest with God in your prayer life. Be honest with God in your prayer life. Don't sugarcoat. Moses didn't sugarcoat. He didn't cover his fears or frustrations, and neither should we. We can be honest with God, and it's in that time that God reframes our perspective. He changes our point of view when we're transparent. Can I also make just a little—those of you who have been praying for a long time, let me make another little recommendation. Pray aloud more often than you do, because it's as you talk to God that he will pull that out of you. And he helps you to be more transparent with him and honest with him. Okay, 
Be honest with God. Secondly, involve Scripture in your prayers. If you don't do this yet, this, is, this will change everything for you. Involve Scripture in your prayers. Because it's only through the Bible that we come to terms with God's promises and plans over and over again. It's only as we prayerfully reflect on the Word of God that the Spirit of God gives us new ways of seeing things, new ways of approaching things that we wouldn't have come up with on our own. On our own. So my challenge to each and every one of us is this. Pray with transparency of heart and with Scripture in hand. Those two things. If you're wondering how to even get started with that, what, how does that happen practically? I'll give you a couple tools. One digital and one print so that you can choose whichever your preference is. For the digital tool, uh, I would recommend to you an app called Lectio 365. A number of our pastors use this. They swear by it. Lectio 365. If you're with us online, there's going to be a description for you in the video. If uh, you're with us in person, you're going to have to do it the old school way and just plug it into your app store, okay? But Lectio 365. Uh, The print option that I would offer to you is the one that I use very regularly. I know Pastor Ellis has used it a lot as well. It's called Seeking God's Face by Philip Reinders. Seeking God's Face by Philip Reinders. And uh, you can pick that up on Amazon, have it delivered right to your door. But this is a, a, both of these options do pretty much the same thing. They give you a series of prompts that help you to be honest with God, and then they also give you a few passages of Scripture that you can reflect on and renew your point of view in the presence of God. Regardless of what tool you use, the call is the same. It's to make honest, Bible-based prayer a central practice in your life so that God can use that to reframe your point of view, your perspective, to focus more on God's promises and God's plans. So will you heed the call? Will you heed the call? I'm going to give us an opportunity right here, right now. There's no better time than the present to put this into practice. And so I'm going to invite Catherine, our organist, to come up. She's going to play a little music under us so that we can focus our attention on the Lord. And I want you to know that God wants to hear from you. Whether you haven't prayed in years or you've been praying for years, God wants to hear from you. And he wants to hear you honestly so that he can help you reframe your perspective. Would you join me in prayer wherever you are? Lord, thank you that wherever we are, when two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. You are here with us. You connect us together by the Spirit of Christ. Thank you, God. Lord, I know that you want to hear from us in prayer. You invite us into your presence. And so in this moment, we want to be honest with you about the things that we're facing. Not sugarcoat, but tell you what's really going on, what we're really thinking, and what we're really feeling. And so friends, in this moment, no matter how uncomfortable or odd it might feel, would you, in your heart, or perhaps quietly out loud, tell God the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're questioning. What's on the forefront of your mind? Go ahead and just share that with God. God, you hear these concerns. Even if we can't quite verbalize it, you you hear the heart. You see the mind. 
And so, Lord, we bring our concerns to you. We offer our lives back to you. We ask, would you lighten our load? Would you hear our prayers? And would you also alter our perspective? Would you, in this moment right now, give us a sense in our spirit that we belong to you, that you have promised to love us through thick and thin? Spirit of God, come and shed abroad the love of Christ in our hearts. Would you also, in our minds, give us a picture of the future, a future that is good and right again, where all things are restored? We take a moment to pause and wait for you to move. our week, Lord, would you remind us of your promise, remind us of your plans, recalibrate our perspective, and help us to live for you. Great is thy faithfulness, God. We love you, we praise you, through Jesus Christ. Amen.